Hey friends, welcome to this week's episode of Not Your Mama's Podcast. The title of this episode is Life After Birth, A Parent's Holistic Guide for Thriving in the Fourth Trimester. And I'm so excited. We have Diane Spire on to talk about her book, Life After Birth. And uh, she practices psychotherapy and hypnotherapy. She specializes in perinatal psychology, uh, prenatal mood, anxiety disorders, and removing birth trauma. And I'm so excited to dive into the topic today. So Diane, can you get the audience a little bit more about your background and kind of how you got to where you are today? Well, um, thank you for inviting me to have a chat with you. And I'm very delighted to be able to spread the word that I think is so important about what happens after the baby is born. It's not a subject that gets much attention and never has. Um, but we have so much information about pregnancy and so much information about childbirth. And we have, I mean, bookstores full of things about parenting. And very few books really focus on that time frame, that first three months after a baby is born, and how chaotic it can be, and how challenging it can be, as well as jubilant and 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 wonderful as well. Um, and the book that I wrote really put an emphasis on the mother, because one of the things that happens in my experience of working with um, parents for now over forty years is that once the baby is born, the mother kind of kind of fades into the background and all of the eyes turn on to the baby and let's look at the baby, let's play with the baby, let's hold the baby. And it's almost like all that effort that she put into bringing this child into onto the earth plane is just forgotten. And it's really stark because for those nine months that she was pregnant, she was celebrated. She was just, you know, pampered. She was really taken care of and looked after. And then, and then, you know, like they say, chopped liver. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, so I felt that that wasn't right. I felt that we really do need to provide that kind of information and the kind of resources that help a mother go through that transition. There are so many changes that are going on. My background was in psychology, so I was always curious about the adjustment that mothers were making, and that's how I started a postpartum support group back in 1978. <laughs> no, 79, something like that. <laughs> um, and that grew into a mother and baby exercise class because I found that mothers, they, they were mostly concerned with getting back in shape and um, having meaningful ways of interacting with their babies. Yeah. And I also taught baby massage, but it wasn't something we did every class. Mm -hmm. And um, I, so many groups were formed from these mothers coming together in these classes. They sometimes went on for 10 or years or more. And the app Digital Doula was born um, in, in 2013. Um, which has now been upgraded and changed and is an actual companion now for the book. When I had my son, my, my son Cole, the first one, it knocked me off my feet. I mean, mm -hmm. I remember I was like going to leave the house. I would cry every time I'd leave the house. Like I had a lot of hormone balance changes and things like that. But one thing that really stuck out to me, what you said is like the community and like, you know, you created a group. I signed up for a new mom school at the time and I felt like it really helped me as well, like relate to other women that were in the same um, stage of life mm -hmm. as me. And it is really important to surround yourself with like-minded people, things that are going through the same 
same situation. And um, I still to this day have friends from that group, you know, over four years later. And you never know what the friendships are going to come out and like the kids are going to, you know, become friends too when they're older. And Mm -hmm. it really is important. And it is crazy how in the United States, there's such a contrast between the United States and let's just say like, you know, South Korea, for instance, um, I was watching, I was following this woman on YouTube and she was having twins. And after she had her twins, she went from like the hospital to basically, you know, like a postpartum area where they help you with the baby. They teach you things about the baby. They give you food. And and she's there for like, I don't know, like a month or so. And there's really just like hands-on help from the government itself to make sure that the mother is also thriving. So it's basically like a fourth trimester sanctuary. And so crazy how here in the United States, it's like, okay, have the baby by, you know, I'll see you in six weeks. Um, I'll give you the go ahead for intercourse. And then I won't see you until a year for you have your pap smear. And, Mm um, you know, it's crazy the, the contrast and they, and also in, um, South Korea, I believe they like pay you to have kids because of the population. Well, right now, right now they are because the uh, the population is declining mm-hmm. and the number of babies that people are having is not enough to replace the population. So that, that wouldn't surprise me, but it might also be consistent with that. There are these these traditions in other countries as, as diverse as, so there are lots of Asian um, Japan has it, South Korea, mm-hmm. um, where they, they really nurture the mother. China has something mm-hmm. like that to some extent. Then you go to um, uh, places in the world that are evading me right now, but the, the it's called doing the 40 days, okay? okay? And that's that 40 days, which is roughly six weeks mm-hmm. after a baby is born. And the purpose of that. In, especially in um, like Central Asia, Mexico, Mexico um, these places, yeah, and you know they have special foods that you should eat. They have the, uh, special temperature of foods that you should eat. Um, but the idea is, oh, and one of the best places is um, the Netherlands. Oh. Now, some years ago, they I have it. It's in my app. Uh, I don't know exactly. I don't remember the name, but there's a role. For somebody who has a sort of background in and in, in nursing, she comes into the house for roughly about a month or so and does all the scut work, makes sure that nobody needs to deal with that, helps the mother with the baby, teaches the mother what she needs to know. Um, and it's 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 embedded into the actual structure of maternity care. Okay, mm-hmm. it doesn't finish at the end of the birth. Um, and I had a woman who was Dutch. Who came to my classes again? And it was like back in the 1980s when I was in New York, and um, she asked me, you know, where would she find this person? And I had to explain that um, that kind of role does not really exist in the United States. The closest thing you can get to that is a postpartum doula mm-hmm. who, will, who will come in and do that, but not even the with the regularity of that person who comes in to help the Dutch mother um, make the transition. And I think it's just, uh, you know, I am American and I will be going back to the States next year, but um, to live, 
But the thing is that family values is more of a, not a reality in terms of there isn't any, there isn't really <clears throat> maternity leave. Um, there aren't, you know, a paid maternity leave, let's put it that way. The childcare situation is pretty rough. Yeah. Um, there are so many things that really make it difficult for parents. And so it's it's lip service. It's not real. And if you did have that awareness of how important it is, then more energy would be invested in the next generation and the person who's bringing up the next generation. Yeah. So it is it is sad, but you're right. You know, the, there are these places around the world. They're in Europe, they're in Asia, they're in, in Central America, um, where they are, uh, where there is a role for someone to mother the mother. And um, I think that's what mothers need because everybody, when they get into that stage of the fourth trimester is vulnerable. It's, oh, the mother's feeling 100%. vulnerable, the partner's feeling vulnerable, the baby is new on the planet. I mean, all of them, and they all have these needs. And at some point they sometimes just conflict with each other. Yeah. How will you Breakdowns. manage that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We definitely need help in the fourth trimester. We're struggling here in America. You would think that we would have have it down, have the best service ever, but we don't, you know, it's only for the people that can afford, afford it. It's kind of like, you know, the rich, you know, quote unquote, to be able to have the doulas come in and and give mm -hmm. that extra pampered care. And um, it's great that you have a space for anyone to be able to join in and participate and learn and have that support system that they need. Um, so mm -hmm. I like it is for it's for just like your average mom and, and, and stuff. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can do things for themselves. This is one of the reasons why I incorporated energy medicine into it, because there's things that you can do for yourself. You don't have mm -hmm. to go to somebody else to do it for it to you or for you, but you can do these things and they're simple, basic things that make a whole lot of difference. So very empowering um, to be able to it's have a tool. Those. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Those oh, are the yeah. tools. This was such a fruitful conversation. I enjoyed it. And I hope that the audience did as well. And they were able to see and use your tools that you have. You know, all of her links are down below in the show notes. So don't be shy. Go say hi. But before we go, I have four questions I ask all my guests and I would love to hear your answers. And my first one is who and what inspires you? inspires me now. Can I say that in the past tense? When you ask, I, I think that it's a funny thing you might be surprised to hear, but one of the people that inspires me is Jane Fonda. Oh, okay. Because Jane Fonda is a person who has been very successful at reinventing herself over the years, you know? Mm -hmm. So I actually went to Jane Fonda's workout when it first came out in, in the late 70s, like mm -hmm. 79, I think it was. Um, and then she, you know, then she had her activism and then she had, uh, and now she's back into her activism. And I think that she's um, grown and matured as a person in a way that I really, I really, um, she inspires me still, but she also inspired me way, way long, long time ago, just to, just to be able to see how someone who, doesn't necessarily need to do and care about the planet and um, and justice the way that she does. I, yeah. So Jane Fonda would be one of those people. 
No, I like that answer. She really is a, she's very like innovative and not afraid to, you know, mold and change herself to what she feels in the moment of how, how she wants to be. So I think that's Mm -hmm. a great answer. Um, My second Mm -hmm. question to you is what is something you wished you knew when you were younger? I wished I knew when I was younger that I would feel uh, (laughs) as 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 strongly dedicated to my mission in my 70s as I was in my 30s and 40s. So I wish I knew that because um, maybe I would have played it a little differently along the way. <laughs> Wouldn't we all, right? <laughs> but I'm, I'm, so, I'm really surprised. I mean, I think there was a period in my 60s where I was sort of, you know, I was sort of going like this, but now, you know, I'm, I, I'm energized. Um, when I when my book was relaunched last October, um, it sort of raised the energy for me, and I was um, surprised to see how uh, energetic I felt. So I wish I knew then, but I knew now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's because you have a lot of passion, and you can you can feel the passion about this topic, which is great. We need passionate people like you uh, to lead the way. Um, mm-hmm. So my third question is, what's the essential part of your daily routine? The essential part of my daily routine is my morning meditation. Um, I do, it It has three different parts to it. So the first is just to meditate for a half an hour. And then I, um, I sort of, I, I call it sort of communing with my soul. Uh, and then I write with my non-dominant hand. So I'm curious, so why the non-dominant hand? What does that have to do? <clears throat> As a hypnotherapist, when we were training, we were taught that if you if you write with your non-dominant hand, it speaks your emotions, it speaks your subconscious mind. And that, you know, I, my regular writing hand would just be my, my rational, logical mind. But the left hand will speak to the emotional body and some of the emotional. And I think in, in my case, it also sort of brings my soul, you know, sort of uh, integrates soul and personality together. So that's how I got into it. No, that's really interesting. I want to try that. Yeah, mm-hmm. because it makes sense. Because when you write with your right hand, you are like, thinking with your mind more and you could, I could see, oh, I could feel kind of like just the difference, like, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just kind of sense it. So that's, that's a really good, uh, that's a good little thing. Thank you so much for that. Uh Um, And then Mm -hmm. my last question to you is the best advice you've ever received. The best advice I ever received. Hmm. I think it was the midwife who uh, I had lunch with her after my second son was born. She he was born in in the in the first birth center to open in in the states in New York, um, and uh, it turns out she was a British midwife. And I only saw her on the very first day for orientation, and at the end um, when I was actually in labor, and. Uh, <laughs> And at lunch, when we were having lunch, she was, however, a month old or something. She told me about this teacher training workshop that was going on for childbirth educators. Mm-hmm. And I looked into it and I went to the training. And then I went to the Cal, I lived in California for a few years. So I did the Bradley method training as well. And, and um, I'd say that that advice 
was what pushed me onto this um, onto this pathway. Awesome. Well, Diane, thank you so much for coming on this week's episode of Not Your Mama's Podcast. I hope you guys enjoyed this fruitful conversation and I hope to see you guys all in the next one. And again, all of Diane's links are down below in the show notes. Like I said, don't be shy. Go say hi. Check out her book. If you're expecting a baby, I would highly recommend uh, checking her out because we all do need community and the fourth trimester is real. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening. Talk to you guys soon. Thank you.